0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I hear an amen, kindergartners? Okay, say amen. (laughs) I did ask them a question. These kids are smart, all right? Take it logically in order. I appreciate that. My name is Michael Hayes, one of the pastors here at St. John's. So glad to be with you here this morning. And if you're a guest with us, uh, welcome. And uh, welcome home. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to come uh, join the St. John's family. So we have that cool image with the astronaut there. What's up with the astronaut? In case you haven't heard, it takes a lot of courage to launch yourself into space. And it's got to be one of the most fear-filled and anxious things any human being would willingly do. And so we're kind of taking that image with us these six weeks through this journey. Uh, radical trust, fearless faith. How can we launch ourselves into the midst of an anxiety-filled uh, world, an anxious world, and how can we launch our lives into that world and live? And not just kind of survive, but to live deeply and to live richly in this world. And so we've looked at a whole bunch of Old Testament characters from long ago and seeing how they lived lives of faith and trust. Uh, we looked at Abraham and Moses and Deborah and Ruth last week. This week, we're looking at David. Next week, Esther. And so I've been, looking, I've been thinking about stereotypes a bit recently. And for the most part, I think that in theory, all of us in the room here would have probably a negative view of stereotypes, right? We definitely don't like it when someone stereotypes us, and we don't like it when people out there stereotype other people. But I would say that sometimes it's necessary to have sort of stereotypes. We've got our kindergartners here, right? And uh, sometimes I think it's necessary to have them. My wife, we've got three little ones, And if our kids get lost in a store or at the mall or at Disneyland or anywhere, we say, if you ever get lost, we tell them to look for a certain type of person, right? Stereotype. Like, we say, look for a mom with kids. Why? Because a mom with a kid is going to understand that a child is lost, and that mom's going to do whatever they can to help that child to find, right? We're not saying, don't go looking for a 13-year-old high school kid, right? (laughs) Stereotype against you high schoolers out there. I apologize in advance, but... Parents, it works, right? Right? I mean, there are stereotypes that sort of work. But sometimes stereotypes go the other way, too, and they're not as innocent as that. Sometimes stereotypes start to go over to blatant prejudice or even sort of unrecognized prejudices that we have within us. Racism, sexism, ethnocentrism, ableism, ageism, and a whole bunch of other prejudices that we may have toward people that are different than us or characteristics of people that we don't like, or the world says is not good, or society looks down upon. And I got to admit, as I was thinking about that, thinking about my own life for the last even just a couple of months, over the last couple of months, I sort of fell into that trap. I had a friend in, in college who always was good at looking at people, looking at their lives, and treating them with dignity. Despite what the world would say. Despite what the stereotypes that we have. He always treated everyone with dignity. He looked at them and he looked into their heart. How they don't conform to society's standards, but maybe their heart is good before God. And so when we look at David's life, we begin to see something like this come out in the text that we're going to consider today. But first, let's think about who is David We go back into the Old Testament. After Israel came into the land of Canaan, they had the heads of state. They called them judges. We looked at one of the judges a couple weeks ago. Her name was Deborah. And then they started calling their heads of state kings. And they had this King Saul. But King Saul, he made some pretty poor choices. And so God rejected him as king. And so Samuel the prophet, he was mad that God had rejected him as king. And so God comes to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 verse 1. And he says this. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, if you were here last week, you might remember Ruth and Boaz. Cool story. Ruth and Boaz were the parents of Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse. So Jesse's their grandson. So one of their great grandkids is about to be anointed king. Verse 4, 1 Samuel 16, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him because sometimes prophets would come to town and they would it meant serious business. And so they asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied. He said, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to or I have come to worship the Lord. So consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons. invited them up to the sacrifice to worship. And when they arrived... Samuel saw Eliab and he thought surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me stands here before the Lord and right there in that verse we see that even the prophets of God can get it wrong and fall prey to stereotypes fall prey to society's expectations of what human being might be better than another human being and i love this verse one of my favorite verses in the whole bible I hope it speaks to your heart. Verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. And it's not just because I'm small. Uh, Maybe a little bit. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I thought to myself, how often do we do that? How often do we look at the outward appearance? I mean, even Samuel the prophet did. Apparently this guy, Eliba, he was good looking, he was tall. He was probably a strong warrior, very well dressed and groomed, probably like a GQ model type of guy. But God was like, nope, not him. God said, I'm looking for character. I'm looking for attitude. I'm looking beyond the outward appearances, and I'm looking at the heart. And I got to admit, as I looked at my, la- my life, that even the last couple of months, it happened to me twice. I met two different people that were a man and a woman at two different times. They were both sort of frumpy, sort of hair messed up, sort of uh, disheveled, sort of questionable appearance according to society standards. And I have to admit that I stereotyped both of them and I'm ashamed of it, because both of them, when I started to talk to them, and I started to get to know them, I was like, "Wow, I am in the presence of some very awesome people." And as our conversation ensued, I was humbled and I was grateful for the chance to be known by them, and to know them and to be encouraged by them, to see their hearts and their character. They were awesome people. Who cares about their appearance? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God. Why should it matter to me? Why should it matter to us? And that's what's going on with this selection of this king. Jesse brought his son Eliab, and he brought six other sons by Samuel the prophet. And all of them, Samuel the prophet, saying, nope, 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 nope. He said, do you have another son? Because I'm not seeing any of these ones. And Jesse was like, yeah, well, I got my youngest. My youngest, he's out watching the sheep, and so basically the subtext was he was saying that scrawny young kid out watching the sheep, you know, out washing the car or tending to the house, the one that I didn't even invite to the party, God said, yeah, he is the one. First Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, so Samuel, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed, verse 13, I'm sorry, took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Young David. David was looked down upon because of his parents. He was looked down upon because of his age. And it got me thinking, we got some little ones here this morning, right? We got our little kindergartners. And I have a feeling that sometimes maybe we as parents or as older people, we look down upon our children. We might have a deeper faith than them, that we might be closer to God than them because we've been around a little bit longer. And it got me thinking, and I remember one Christmas in particular in my family, it was just a few years ago, and we were asking our little ones what they wanted to do for Christmas dinner, right? Like what kind of food did they want to eat? What kind of desserts did they want to have? What kind of candy that they wanted to eat? Kindergartners. I think I was asking them more for my own desires because I wanted all that good stuff. And then one of my little kids, one of my daughters, and I actually I think she was in kindergarten at the time, she said, Papa, you know that park over by Nana's house that has a lot of the homeless people? And she said, I think we should go give them dinner on Christmas. And I was like, you know, okay, okay. As a dad, getting a little bit And I said, "Uh, I think you're right. And that's what we did that Christmas. Talk about heart, Right? Talk about viewing people not by outward appearance, but by what's in their heart. And it reminded me of the time that the disciples, right, the 12 disciples, 12 disciples of the church, they were arguing about who was the greatest. And Jesus, verse 2 of Matthew chapter 18, says he called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. Verse 3, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become Like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child, of these children, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Talk about heart. The heart and the faith of a child. As we saw them sing their hearts out to God this morning. Weren't you just blessed by that? were not you just touch by that? Outward appearance and inward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And so God looked at young David's heart. He looked at young David's heart and he called him to be king. Now, kindergartners, you remember David in the Bible? Do you remember? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of King David. Okay? There are a whole bunch of stories about King David in the Bible, right? Now, I've got one of my Bibles here. Now, don't judge a book by its cover that applies, doesn't it? Don't judge a book by its cover, right? It's all taped up and gross a little bit, torn. But this is the rhyming Bible, okay? One of my favorite Bibles with my kids. Parents, if you don't have it, you should get it, okay? It's totally cool. I'm going to read this story to you about David David and someone else. Does anybody know who it is? David and Goliath. what? David and who? Goliath. I heard it. David and Goliath. Remember Goliath? David. Goliath was what? He was a giant, he was a giant you want to finish the sermon, man? Because I think you got it in you. He's like, yeah. Get that microphone for this young man. All right. You got the Bible too? It's a different one. I said, we got a whole bunch of different ones. All right. So Goliath, do you know how tall he was? Was he seven feet tall? No. Was he eight feet tall? Was he nine feet tall? He was He was not even big enough to fit through your door. That's right. He was 9 plus feet tall. Like kind of Andre the Giant type of size, right? I mean, he couldn't even fit through the exit there, all right? He was huge, right? And David was a small little guy, kind of like our size, right? You and me. Okay, so look. <laughs> I'm going to read I'm going to read the story of David and Goliath, okay? It's a rhyming Bible. So if you hear in the rhyme You can jump in on the special word. My kids love to do that. The pictures are going to be up on the screen, okay? So who was mean and tall and strong? A giant named? There we go. Who had a spear that was sharp and long? A giant named? Good job, my friends. Every morning and every night, Goliath tried to pick a fight. Come and get me if you can. But all God's people, they turned and ran. Good. All right. You got it. All right, a boy named David came one day. He heard what Goliath had to say, but David said, this man's a clod. He's making fun of the living God. All right, see the pictures? The king found out what David said, but then the king just shook his head. Can you shake your head? Just shook his head. How can someone as young as you expect to do what a soldier can't do? God, listen to what David said. God will be with me, David said. So at last the king nodded his head. David turned and he left the king. He took his staff and he took his sling. He walked on down to a little stream where he found five stones that were smooth and clean. Goliath saw David and it made him mad. He let out a roar to frighten the lad. But David kept coming. He didn't run away. And that's when Goliath Heard him say, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Good job, my man. Good job. David made the sling go round and round. See the picture? He made the sling go round and round. The stone flew up with a whistling sound, and giant Goliath fell to the ground. You've heard that story before, right? Yeah. Maybe your parents taught it to you, grandparents, your aunt, uncle, your teachers, Sunday school. Who knows? It's a great story. You know why? Because even young little David, he always trusted in God. He was able to beat the big giant because he knew that God was with him. And so I always want you kindergartners to know that no matter how scary life gets, no matter how many big giants are in front of you, that when God is with you, You can always face them. You can always trust in God, and he will always be with you. Pretty cool, huh? Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, you're supposed to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right, say amen. Amen. One, two, three. Amen, Amen, my friends. All right. Well, I'm going to talk to the big kids really quick. That's a good story. It's a story we heard as young children about David and Goliath and David having faith and going up against giants. There's all sorts of implications for that For our lives. But we can also look at David's life and see a whole bunch of other things. We learn about David's life of having a heart after God. And it forces us to sort of ask the question, what do our hearts look like? This morning we have a chance to look into our own hearts. We have a chance to ask, what does it take to have a heart after God? Because, see, David, he's also known for making some pretty bad mistakes In fact, Cameron was asking me earlier today, what part of David's life are you going to preach about? Because you could preach on David's life for probably 20 weeks. And there's good stuff, there's bad stuff, there's struggling stuff, there's redemption stuff. But he made some pretty bad mistakes. Poor choices. Naughty choices, kindergartners. Naughty choices like adultery, murder, conspiracy. Just to name a few. But when David was confronted with the things that he had done wrong in his life. He didn't deny it. He didn't get defensive. He was honest to God, honest to himself, and humble before God. And he accepted the earthly consequences of his actions. And I'd like to argue this morning that honesty and humility make for a heart after God. Because King David, he was also not only a king, but he was a poet. He was a musician. And in Psalm 51... After he had done some very terrible things, Nathan the prophet had come and confronted him. And David said, you're right, I've done these terrible, awful things. And he cried out to God in honesty and humility. In verse 4 of chapter 51 of Psalms, he says, against you, God, against you only have I sinned and have done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge, honest and humble. Verse 9, he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart. Create, God, in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, God. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I love David's story because in David's story, we see a great heart. Not great because of some sort of radical trust or some sort of fearless faith that came out of his own uh, righteousness, his own ability, his own good works. King David's heart was great because first and foremost, he humbled himself before God. And he asked God to give him a pure heart, to give him the Holy Spirit, to save him from even himself. And to restore the joy of salvation. My friends, that this morning is where fearless faith, that is where radical trust begins. It begins with God, and it begins with a humility before Him, an honest and humble heart. Kind of reminds me of the very heart of God Himself. God Himself, who sent His Son Jesus to redeem us, to transform us, to renew our lives. And with that sort of humble heart given to us from God, that sort of honest heart, God will use us to slay giants. He will use us to feed the needy. He will use us to bring his grace and truth to those who are different than us. And God will use those who are different than us to speak his grace and truth to the deepest part of our hearts. First Samuel 16, verse 7. Love this verse. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's a good stereotype about our God. He always looks to the heart. And that, my friends, is radical trust, to trust God beyond whatever the world or our minds might be saying about our appearances. The Lord looks deep into our hearts. He sees his children And he calls us his sons and daughters. He invites us into the kingdom. He calls us kings and queens in his reign.